Welcome to Business Beyond Usual. My name is John Brown, and we're recording live from the Raw School of Business once again. I'm here with my fellow Section 3 mate and co-host, David Amarine, and today we're going to be chatting with Michigan Ross Dean, Sharon Matusik. So, David, before we put the dean in the hot seat, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. How goes MAP? I'm really glad you asked that. Uh, MAP is actually going wonderfully well. Um, I'm doing a project at Microsoft Xbox, and for those who've been listening to this podcast for a while, you're probably tired with my voice, number one, and two, you know how passionate I am about media, entertainment, and gaming, and so it's been a dream come true. Um, The team came together, and uh, we've been just having a great time uh, working with the Xbox team. So before we get started, uh, we want to encourage you to get in touch. We always love engaging with our listeners, and we love to hear from you. Send us a message at bbupodcast at umich.edu. That's bbupodcast at umich.edu. Or follow us on Instagram at Ross underline BBU. That's at Ross underline BBU. And feel free to DM us there as well. Ask us questions, suggest episode topics, or just say hello. We'll spend some time at the beginning of each show reading some of your messages and answering any questions you have. So we usually start the podcast hearing about our guests' remarkable backgrounds. And in the spirit of that tradition, uh, we'd like for all of us here to share where we're from, our pre-Ross background, what we're involved in at Ross and the Ann Arbor community. So I'll start. My name is David Amarim. Um, I'm one of your hosts, uh, originally from Brazil, coming from a consulting background. But like I mentioned, uh, very passionate about gaming and entertainment, which today is a long-term goal for me. We'll go back to consulting um, after Ross, um, but excited to work on that goal um, after leaving here. All right, and then I'll kick us off next. Uh, my name is John Brown, for, originally from the Hampton Rose area of Virginia. Uh, my pre-Ross background is in the Marine Corps. Um, I actually left active duty at the Pentagon where I was u- using artificial intelligence and machine learning to help me make better maintenance decisions. Um, I wanted to be in control of my transition, so I talked to a few friends, uh, and you know they said MBA is the route to go. Interviewed at four schools. Ross had the culture that matched what I wanted to do, so I chose Ross. Here, I'm involved in multiple things. The Armed Forces Association, Out for Business, of course, the podcast, which is really cool. Um, and then I am interested in brand management roles. I eventually want to migrate to entertainment like David as well. Um, but in the meantime, I will be interning at the Clark's Company in the Bayer this summer. Um, and then Dean Matusik will pass it on to you. Hi, I'm Sharon Matusik. I'm the dean here at the Ross School of Business. Started here back in August. And my pre-Ross background, gosh, you know, how much time do you have? <laughs> so I actually grew up in the Chicago area. I lived in a lot of um, areas around the U.S., a lot of the tech and entrepreneurship spaces. I lived in the Boston Route 128 area, wow. lived in Silicon Valley, lived in San Francisco, uh, worked in consulting for a while, and then got my Ph.D. up at University of Washington in Seattle. So it's probably no surprise that innovation and entrepreneurship are things mm-hmm. that I care a lot about. Uh, I was My first academic job was at Rice University in Houston, Texas, and then I served on the faculty and as dean at University of Colorado Boulder for 18 years before coming to Ross. So lots of uh, time zones and lots yeah. of different experiences in terms of making my way over here to Ross. Awesome. We're so glad to have you too. Absolutely. And uh, Dima Tusik, uh, we, we have a number of questions here that we prepared for you, but I think we'd like to start with something light, you know, and we talked a little bit about our passions about media and entertainment. And so how about we start with what are we currently watching or reading? And Ooh. let's start with you. <clears throat> All right. Well, 
I have to confess, I love Ted Lasso. So oh I'm watching God, Ted Lasso right now and, and pretty excited about that. When I finish Ted Lasso, I'm moving on to Succession, which is another okay. show that mm, I, I find very interesting. So those, I would say, are high on my list. Um, other things I like to do when I'm not helping to drive the Ross School forward and meeting and working with our great students, um, I like a good political thriller. You know, oh, like in the okay. James Patterson, Tom Clancy yeah. type genre. Okay. Yeah, kind okay. of escapist, you know, seeing what's going on behind the scenes in the world out there. Absolutely. Well, that's glad to hear. Tom Clancy is actually one of my favorite authors as well. Um, Hunt for Red October um, is one of my favorite books. Um, my, I come from a military family. My dad and um, my grandparents were in the military. Um, so anyway, Tom Clancy just yeah. um, became a big passion. But in my case, I probably monothematic. I mean, love gaming. So I just watched Last of Us. Also played Last of Us 2, uh, which is a sequel to that show, um, which is what I was doing. What about you, John? So um, just like the Dean, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. I got hooked on it kind of late. And then I just binge watched all the seasons up until the current point such a phenomenal show um jason sudeikis is just amazing in that um also been watching beef uh which is a new show on netflix one of the awesome things about this is executive produced by ali wong and um stephen young from um the walking dead fame um and it focuses around both of them as characters who like road rage and then it's just like the after effects of that road rage so it's a pretty good show and you know of course you know my nerdy part. I'm really big into the Mandalorian, so I've been enjoying that. Um, I'm big into political thrillers as well. I'm a huge Vince Flynn fan. I've been reading um, his novel since you know he started writing. Unfortunately, he passed away, but his legacy's being carried on through Kyle Mills, and he's really just done the series well. So that that's my go-to. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, everyone. So we want to talk a little bit about you, Dean Matusik. We have a few questions for you. Uh, we want to start with your educational background. So you earned your Bachelor of Arts in Economics um, and English with honors from Colby College and a PhD in Strategic Management from the University of Washington School of Business. As a first-generation college student, how did you maneuver through the rigors of academics and how does that influence your decision-making now? It's a great question. So I am a first-gen college student. You know, in terms of background, uh, my dad worked on an assembly line for General Motors. My mom grew up in an immigrant family. She was a valedictorian of her high school and a great violinist, and she got a partial scholarship to Northwestern um, because I grew up in the Chicago area, Mm -hmm. and her family told her that college was not for girls. So my parents worked incredibly hard to make sure my sister and I had the education that they didn't have. Right, absolutely. And so that's just opened incredible opportunities for me. You know, one of the examples that, you know, was just so powerful is um, not too long ago, I had the opportunity to meet Mary Barra, who's the CEO of GM. Mm -hmm. And just reflecting on, wow, you know, like what opportunities I've had because of education. You know, my father working on an assembly line for GM, like he would have never imagined that someday I would be sitting down with the CEO of GM. Right. Yeah. Just incredible. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what motivates me day in and day out. The fact that I can help others open up opportunities for themselves Mm -hmm. through education is just such a powerful thing and such a powerful role, I think, that higher education plays in our society by providing economic opportunities for Mm -hmm. people and social mobility through education, I think, is just incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I mean, I think you already started answering this next question. I mean, you have experience in, in business and consulting and education, um, but you are living out a career in education um, right now. Did you always want to be an educator? Always wanted to build a career in education? How did that happen? Yeah. I would say no. Uh, I consider myself somewhat of an accidental uh, administrator on the on the business uh-huh. side. You know, so you know, back to your point, like my path was, you know, I graduated from undergrad, econ and English. Yeah. I worked in benefits consulting for a while, and uh-huh. I like I had a I had a really nice life. Mm-hmm. Um, I I reflect on the office that I left in San Francisco when I went to get my PhD and said to myself, well, my God, what have I done? I had a beautiful <laughs> office in San Francisco, floor-to-ceiling windows, looking over on the bay, and I left that to go back and get my PhD. But part of that was, you know, I got to a point where, you know, it's pretty clear what the path was forward, and, mm-hmm. and it was a fine path. Um, but I was reflecting on, is this a path that I wanted mm-hmm. to be on longer term? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I reflected on what I liked about my job, and yeah. I really um, I liked the teaching part. I had done a fair mm-hmm. bit of corporate training as part of my job. Um, and also in consulting, I got really interested in how you could have two companies trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. One, it would be really successful, yeah. another not so much. And so right. the whys behind that were really interesting right. to mm-hmm. me. So I made that connection that if you got a PhD, you could study that all day long. <laughs> and so, you know, that's really what drove me, you know, kind of that and that, that more... Yeah. deliberate analysis of what I did and didn't like about my career and how I wanted to drive that forward. And then also, you know, just reflecting on the bigger question of, you know, like what kind of impact do I want to make through my life? Mm-hmm. And because education had been um, such an opportunity to open up avenues for me that I never would have had otherwise, mm-hmm. that pull of being able to help others in a way that had been just so um, instrumental to me was was very powerful. So that's really what drove me to become a faculty member. And then, you know, fast forward. So I did that for many years and and had a great career, you know, mm-hmm. love interacting with students, right. you know, love the research piece. Um, and then when I was at University of Colorado in Boulder, there was an unexpected turnover of the dean and the senior associate yeah. dean in relatively mm-hmm. short order. And so, you know, essentially the provost came over to the business school and said, hey, full professor, someone needs to, you know, (laughs) move us forward as we work through this transition. And so, you know, long story short, that's, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. what moved me onto the administrative track. And I I just really loved it. You know, like to me, um, you know, one, it's a different way of interacting with students, you know, that goes beyond the students that are in your classroom. And then, you know, beyond that, you know, I love meeting with our alumni, you know, corporate Mm -hmm. partners, people out in the business world. I love hearing about the amazing things that they've done. Mm -hmm. You know, I especially love when they want to give back through higher ed (laughs) in terms of helping, you know, to really build out Mm -hmm. those foundations that all of our students can Mm -hmm. benefit from. Right. So shifting gears here a little bit and talking about um, your experience as an educator, uh, during the In the Gap experience, you discussed that two of your top initiatives are building a bridge between the business and engineering schools and DEI. All right, and the question is, why are these, uh, one, what is In the Gap? Um, and two, why are these um, top priorities to you? And what are some of your other goals in Vision yeah. as Dean? Yeah, so it's uh, the End the Gap initiative that I started at Colorado was about trying to get um, our business school population to look more like mm-hmm. the population at large. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, gosh, the world is changing. And yeah. so we want to make sure that, you know, one, back to this idea of economic inclusion, which I benefited so greatly mm-hmm. from myself, you know, we want to make sure that 
we are providing opportunities for people to make their way in the world through education. Yeah. And so to me, that's just critically important is having an educational environment where all people can thrive and benefit. And even people coming from a majority background, mm-hmm. you know, the world is changing. Everyone needs to understand how to interact with a wide variety of different kinds of people right. to drive mm-hmm. things forward. So I think that's, you know, that's critically important in every possible way yeah. to provide mm-hmm. opportunities to make sure people that are leading our organizations in the future know how to really bring out the best in everyone and and use that to drive the world forward. And I think business plays such a critical role in driving that world forward. Um, And then in terms of working uh, with the School of Engineering, so when I was at Colorado, we actually built a physical building that connected the business school over to engineering. And, you know, part of that is, you know, if you look at what's happening in the world and you see this through all of your classes and the activities you are both engaged with, boy, that world of business and the world of technology are converging. I mean, everyone's talking about ChatGPT, you know, that's just the latest (laughs) chapter. But, you know, those worlds are coming together. And so if we think about business schools as a critical vehicle in terms of preparing people who are going to lead us forward— boy, you all need to be able to be comfortable in that intersection. And if you think about it, you know, from the perspective of the business leader, you know, boy, you have to know technology, you know how to have to know how to manage a technology staff. You need to think about how does this affect your workforce and how you Mm -hmm. need to drive your organizations forward. From the engineering side, it's great to have that deep technical expertise. And if those engineers also know how to put those skills to productive use in a business organization, right. you know, that just puts them on a whole other career tra- trajectory. So to me, it's it's so important to the future, and it's the way that we're going to provide really yeah. amazing opportunities for students, both from the technical side yeah. as well as the business side. And so you literally connect to the two schools, right? Building that <laughs> That's right. connection between the buildings. Yeah. And I guess just one last follow-up question about that. How was that integration between the business and engineering schools? Like, it was fantastic, you know, and, and part of what we did in the building space, you know, so we thought about how do we integrate curriculum, yeah. you know, activities, but part of uh, what the space allowed us to do is also create opportunities for those informal interactions. Mm-hmm. So we there was a big innovation in entrepreneurship hub space in the building, yeah. a coffee shop, and so, you know, the idea would be mm-hmm. it becomes seamless in yeah. terms of you're hanging out and studying and there's someone the next table over who might be an engineering student, you start Absolutely. talking about what you're working on. Right. And so those informal interactions are also very important. Matters. Now, yeah. as you know, on our campus, engineering is up on North Campus. <laughs> right. So, you know, I'm still sorting <laughs> That'd through the details. That'd be a long hallway connecting. But, but we're working on it. We're working yeah. on it. You know, so Absolutely. I really enjoy the interactions that I've had with our um, College of Engineering yeah. here. And Alec oh, Gallimore, I think, has, has done a terrific job with the School of Engineering. Yeah. So looking at how do we build out those interactions and, you know, recognizing that the physical space is a little bit different yeah. here than mm-hmm. what I had to work with in mm-hmm. Colorado. But I think there's just tremendous opportunities there, and and I think engineering is a, a great partner to the business school. And one of the cool things about that is, like you saying, with growth um, and change and everything's changing, I, I think that that physical space is going to present some very interesting challenges and opportunities. Um, so we're going to dive a little bit into uh, your vision um, as the, the dean. Um, so looking at where you were at Leeds, um, as a Leeds dean, the school saw substantial increases in student achievement. Uh, diversity in this faculty, fundraising, and community engagement. How do you plan to bring those same results to Ross? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think, you know, it's been a great few months getting up to speed on everything. Um, 
you know, so for those of you who geek out on your strategy class, you know, that's my field, <laughs> strategy and entrepreneurship. And, you know, I take very much of a resource-based perspective, meaning you got to really know what are the resources and capabilities here in a mm-hmm. deep way to figure out how do we really leverage those to take Ross to the next level and into the future. Right. You know, some of the things that I think really stand out to me as I reflect on that is, you know, one, the importance of financial accessibility. So this gets back to, you know, diversity and inclusion and how do we think about that. You know, a big piece of that is making sure that if you're qualified to get into Ross, you're not going someplace else because of the price tag. Right. And I'm not saying we have to be the cheapest. We don't. Right. But you need to be in that ballpark. Right. And especially if you're talking about bringing together people from all sorts of different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. You know, right now we're not where I would like us to be um, in terms of that ability to be financially accessible to a wide range of people. You know, just using the undergrad um, population as an example, you know, if you look at out-of-state tuition, you Mm -hmm. guys might know this, but um, Michigan is the most expensive public out-of-state. Whoa. Period, full stop. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, I didn't either. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, so we still have room to do better in Michigan, but we do a little bit better in Michigan. And we mm-hmm. have the Michigan right. Promise, which is, you know, for families whose income is below 65000 mm-hmm. But that still leaves a lot of people who are maybe above sixty-five, but, you yeah. know, it's expensive. Right. So that's Michigan. But then when you look outside of Michigan, yeah. I think that if you're coming from uh, a financial need background in Houston or LA or Chicago, you might not even be applying to Ross mm-hmm. because right. you look at that price tag and you think, I can't ask my family to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that financial accessibility piece is one very important, it's not the only component, but one right. very important component that we can do better at mm-hmm. in terms of meeting our goals for mm-hmm. having an environment where everyone can thrive, everyone can succeed, and people have the benefit of a Ross education, which is just really a tremendous education. Definitely. So, you know, so that's um, that's something that I've been thinking about. You know, also I've been working on, you know, how do we make sure that this is a place where people can do their best work, you know, mm-hmm. so that extends yeah. to the students, but mm-hmm. also to our faculty and staff, you know, yeah. so how right. do we look at our organizational design and what we're doing from a community belonging and wellness perspective to make sure that this is a place where, you know, we have absolutely amazing faculty and staff, Mm -hmm. and I want to make sure that this is the place where they can do their absolute best work. Right. Um, And then another thing that I think is really important is also raising our global visibility and impact. So some of um, the great things that we're doing here, I think that um, we can be a little bit Midwestern sometimes and that (laughs) we, and I mean that as someone who grew up in Chicago, I mean that in the best possible way, Um, you know, just that orientation towards we do good work and we assume people will notice, you know, sometimes we need to be a little bit more thoughtful about getting the word out. Yeah. So I do think that there's more that we can do in terms of extending our global mm-hmm. visibility. Part of that is um, better leveraging some of our executive education. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're working on upgrading the physical facilities for our exec ed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's a great place where executives from all over the world are coming here to Ross. Right. You know, the high potentials, executives from from different industries globally. Right. You know, let's make sure we're being very thoughtful about that, bringing those people in and mm-hmm. having making sure they have a great experience so that that helps to spread our global impact and other things that we're doing along those areas as well. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's an interesting point. It reminded me, I had an old boss who once told me, David, it's not enough to work hard. You have to show that you're working hard. 
And I think it's an important lesson, yeah. right? And yeah. um, and and also because I'm, I really think it does help with the visibility portion, yeah. right? And and I agree with you. I think uh, I mean Ross is such an amazing place in terms of being an amazing school, but also an amazing community. Um, and yeah, I think we really need to show that. Yeah, and 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 we have, you know, we're in the best possible position in terms of, boy, we have the meat. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Right. And it's a matter right. of how do we make sure that we let the world know yeah, the amazing right. things that are going on exactly. here. Exactly. And it's funny that you mentioned this because in one of our, you know, your favorite topics, um, one of my strategy classes, our strategy 503, um, one of these scenarios we were talking about was how do we get Ross's name out to the worldwide community? So we sat down as a group and just talked about certain ways to do that. So I, I'm very interested to see how um, we proceed forward with that because you're right. There's so many offerings here and there's just such a great culture. And, you know, I think when most folks think about top business schools, they think about the Ivy Leagues, the Harvards, the, the Stanfords. They don't really consider that it's just like it's the Ross difference. It is. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I do think if you look at what the business world needs in the future, I think Ross is so incredibly well positioned. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, one of the things that I learned when I started here is that there's something like 110 departments in the top 10. Right. Wow. You know, across this University of Michigan campus, which is just phenomenal. Right. And if you look at the biggest issues of the day that are facing us, whether that's climate, economic inclusion, technology disruption, the kinds of leaders that are going to drive the world forward in those areas are people that can pull together knowledge from different areas, work across areas of expertise in a meaningful way. And boy, we have that in spades here at Michigan. And so um, I really do think that the nature of what the University of Michigan brings to the table is such that we are incredibly well positioned in a way that not many other business schools are. You know, you think about some of the other um, top business schools, and oftentimes the business school is an island unto itself. You know, it's right. physically separate from the rest of the campus in many cases. Right. There might not be an undergraduate program. Right. You know, here, you know, we are very much part of that that Michigan community, you know, even down to the branding. You know, you talk about, <laughs> you know, we are Michigan Ross. Right. You know, we are not the so-and-so school at University X. Right. And that, right. I think, was very intentional and I think speaks to some of how we differentiate ourselves mm-hmm. as being part of this larger campus, which is just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, with you saying that, it just makes so much sense about the school that you have, about bringing the School of Engineering and business together. Because I think, you know, nowadays, I mean, business as a standalone discipline, is it's something of the past, right? You can't really separate things anymore. And so it makes a lot of sense about having that multidisciplined approach. Um, and one of the things that you touched on actually leads into the next question. You talked about the Michigan community as a whole. So last November, President Ono announced Vision 2034, which is a strategic initiative that will engage the entire UMIT community in a collective process to imagine our future and chart our course ahead. Um, so as the dean of Ross, where do you see our institution developing and implementing Vision 2034? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So I would say there's kind of a tactical answer and kind of a more, you know, big picture um, answer to that question. You know, on the tactical side, um, the campus has pulled together, you know, kind of a 
for lack of a better word, toolkit that we can use at the unit level to help integrate what we're doing with the campus level activities on Vision 2034. So that's in process. We're working out how do we have, you know, a series of workshops for our faculty and staff and our students to help us, you know, bring those ideas together. You know, at a, you know, kind of a higher level, you know, one of the things that I think really differentiates Michigan Ross, you know, pulling together some of these themes we've been talking about are are three things. And then, you know, I, I think these feed into the Vision 2034 process in, in a really nice way. One, I think, is action. You know, if you think mm-hmm. about why you selected Ross, you know, what I hear from a lot of people is this, you know, action-based learning pedagogy. Right. We have a bias towards action. You know, if you look at um, also the reputation of our alumni and our students, you know, mm-hmm. we roll up our sleeves and get stuff done. So that action orientation um, I think it's always been important, but I think never more so now, because if you think about all the uncertainty on the horizon, like how do you prepare students for a future that's going to look different than today? You know, that ability to learn, you know, learning by doing, which is very much with that action orientation to our pedagogy focuses on. So I think action is a big differentiator. I think impact, you know, we've talked about the biggest problems Mm -hmm. of the day and how do you work collaboratively across campus And also, you know, one of the things that's so important to us here at Ross, as you know, our mission is building a better world through business, being mindful of those social impacts as well as economic impacts and how do you think about both of those at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So that impact piece, and people here want to do big things. You know, if you look at some of the biggest advances in the field of strategy and entrepreneurship, you know, a lot of those have come right out of Michigan. So people here are trying to do big things. So action, impact, and the third really is community. You know, that Go Blue Pride, you know, mm-hmm. you guys haven't asked Definitely. me yet <laughs> about that. But, you know, it, it's a thing. You know, it, it is really phenomenal, that sense of pride and dedication and, and community here. You know, we strive to have an inclusive learning community. We've got this amazing alumni network. So that action, impact, and community, I, I think, are things that really are standouts about Ross. And so making sure that those are really part of that Vision 2034 in a way that helps to elevate campus, but also helps us play to our strengths. You know, and I think the nature of those really ties nicely to what's going on at a campus level. You know, so again, like that impact piece, part of that is we care about solving big problems and taking on big opportunities, and that requires working across areas of expertise. That community piece, it's community here at Ross, but it's community with that whole UM world, you know, beyond our building. So I think all of those feed really nicely into what the president is doing with his vision 2034. Awesome. And then you touched on, when you talked about the action-based learning, you touched on one of the most critical lessons I learned in the Marine Corps. It's better to make a good decision now than a great decision later. Um, But one of the things I love about that action-based approach is that even though, you know, because there's always going to be uncertainty and there's always going to be risk involved. um, But one of the things about it is, like, you can take what you have and make a decision, but it also, you know, you're taking into account the consequences of the decisions you're making. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And then I think it's also important that, we learn as we go, you know, so right. you make a decision right. and maybe it's going great and you continue to move down that path, but you're also open to the fact that, well, I'm getting some feedback on this path that we're on. Right. Maybe we need to do a little bit of a course correction yeah. and being comfortable in that right. space right. of right. always bringing on new information, continually learning and figuring out how do we move forward 
picking up those cues in terms of how we're doing yeah, along absolutely. the way. Right. And that's actually, um, you know, speaking of action-based learning, yeah. that was actually one of the, an interesting insight that we got from our sponsor at MAP. At one of our first meetings, when they were introducing you know, the scope of the work, what we're going to do, um, they made it a point to say, "Look, guys, we we work with imperfect data all the time, okay? And so, and and it's better to make progress than be perfect here. And and that's the advice that they gave us. You know, it's only a seven week project, so they said, you know, do your best, you know, with the data that you have, and and that's how we're going to, you know, do business and work. And I think that's so valuable yeah. as you go forward with your careers, right? You Absolutely. know, how do you continue to learn by doing? How do you take on that information? How do you know what to keep moving on? How mm-hmm. do you know when to course correct? All of that has never been more important than yeah. now when you look at technology uncertainties, global uncertainties, you know, all sorts of different challenges that are on the horizon. Right. And then something else you touched on, which I think is I think is great, but also hilarious. Uh, you touched on the culture, not only here at Ross, but at, you know, Michigan writ large. I mean, you go to the big house and you're at a game and you have just tens of thousands of people screaming the chant song at the top of their lungs or just being here and hearing either, you know, the Ross difference or it, it ain't Ross, though. So what were your perceptions of the culture and how have you adapted to it since you've gotten here? <laughs> well, so... It's not all about football, but I'll use it as an illustration. (laughs) You know, so when I um, told my colleagues at Colorado that I was leaving to go to Michigan, you know, some people who had a Michigan background are like, oh, well, just wait till you go to a football game in Michigan. (laughs) And I thought to myself, how different can it be? Because at Colorado, I would always have, you know, alumni and friends of the school at a box and we would go to all the football games. I enjoyed that. It was fun. Um, And then I came to the big house and it is a different thing. I mean, there's just, there's such an energy about it and it's, you know, it takes over the whole town, (laughs) but I think that's just one illustration. You know, the other part of that is if you walk down downtown Ann Arbor any day of the week, people are wearing Michigan gear, you know, and I, you know, often if I'm flying or traveling, you know, I'll have a little Michigan pin, you know, people strike up a conversation. So it, it it is a very powerful thing in a way that you know yeah. and especially when you think about alumni or students interacting with alumni like there's a genuineness to that connection mm-hmm. they, it's not just like what can you do for me yeah. like oh there's there's something instrumental here i mean that can be a piece of it but people just like michigan people like to meet each other yeah. Yeah. and help Absolutely. each other out and get to know you know what what each other do yeah. i was i was just in um I was just traveling. I was in Chicago and L.A. and, and Denver, and I was having a breakfast with one of our alums in Denver, and he w- used to run the Denver Alumni Club for mm-hmm. Ross. And he said, you know, it's funny. Like, I don't even know what a lot of my colleagues do. Mm-hmm. Like, I just really enjoy spending time with them. And then he's, you know, and, and then he <laughs> kind of went on from there. I use that as an illustration because Michigan people just – they like to get to know each other. Yeah. They right. like to support each other. And so it's not just all about like, hey, yeah. you've got a connection that I need. Of right. course, that is a part yeah. of it. Right. But there's a, you know, kind of more of an affinity there beyond yeah. just mm-hmm. the instrumental. No, absolutely. And let me just say, I can really relate to that. Actually, although I, I grew up in Brazil, I lived in Utah for a number of years. And so really got to know that Western Rocky Mountain culture. Um, and then when I was coming here to Michigan, it's like, okay, that's part of the states that I don't know. But... Um, before coming to Michigan, you know, I was listening to the podcast actually, and I got to know a little bit about the culture and the community. And I already started feeling through the podcast, like, okay, yeah, this place kind of feels like home and the people seem really nice. And when I got here, it was exactly what I found. Yeah. And that was actually a really big part of my decision. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And then I think for me, it was this such a strong pay it for culture. Um, I was actually a little bit concerned about emailing the student ambassadors when I was in the application process because I'd had some instances where schools weren't as responsive. And I was just, something was just like, the worst they can say is no or, you know, whatever. It's like, it hasn't been that big of a difference from the experience you've already had. And I would say within an hour of me emailing three of the now NBA twos or about to be NBA alumni, um, two have responded within an hour. And then the third was in the process of interviewing for their internship and they played email catch up and they got back with me and I just had great conversations with everyone. And then, you know, obviously GBR this weekend, go blue rendezvous. I came here and then it was just, like you said, Demon Tusic, the energy was electrifying and it was just such an amazing experience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we've talked about culture. Um, Now we're going to talk about just some of the challenges that you've seen as um, the dean. Um, So one of the first ones being Ross, as well as other top NBA schools, have seen a sharp decline in NBA One participation in professional social events. Does this concern you? And what are your thoughts on improving it? Yeah, of course it does. You know, as as I said, I think one of the things that really differentiates us is that sense of community. So, Mm -hmm. you know, anything that seems like a little bit of a lag in that, I think, is absolutely something that needs a attention. You know, I talk about these sorts of things with other friends of mine who are deans at other schools. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's a few things, particularly on the MBA side, that are part of it. You know, one, the labor market is just so strong. Mm -hmm. um, And you've probably seen some of this with your colleagues, but it's, you know, sometimes students are being recruited before they even start their program. Right. And so, you know, some of that motivation of like, hey, I want to really be a leader and prove myself and Mm -hmm. and show Mm -hmm. that I'm going to lead here, Mm -hmm. you know, that attenuates that a little bit, you know, and I think also coming out of COVID, you know, thinking about what sorts of experiences and ways people want to connect, right? you know, how have those really changed Mm -hmm. in a way that, I don't know that we fully understand. Right. Um, But, you know, it's something that's on my radar screen. I Mm -hmm. just recently launched a series of task forces as part of, you know, getting up to speed. Mm -hmm. And one was on um, student community and belonging. Yeah. And so that was uh, a task force that had faculty and staff and student representatives Mm -hmm. on it. They submitted a report last month about some of the ideas that they have in terms of driving that forward. Awesome. And so, you know, we're looking to implement some of those um, Mm -hmm. in the near term, you know, but it's certainly something that has to be a strong partnership with the students. You know, you know what students care about more than I know what students care about. Um, And, and so, you know, really making sure that we are being thoughtful about that and making sure that's front and center, Mm -hmm. because I do think one of the things that differentiates us and is so special about Michigan and Michigan Ross Mm -hmm. is that sense of community and and dedication in terms of Mm -hmm. being part of, part of this fabric. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean, from your comments, it it seems like more than just a simple decline, it seems it's actually a reflection of an overall change and evolution in the whole, you know, MBA, um, I guess, community. With that in mind, I mean, and you touched on how students are such a big part of that. What is their part in this? And and what can students do to help improve this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I would say, you know, boy, like, keep the ideas coming. You know, as I said, the task force was really helpful because we had student leaders who were part of that process mm-hmm. to identify some of the ways that, 
you know, we can think about events in a slightly different way, you know, different ways to engage students. Um, you know, so that's, I think, a really critical part of it. And I, hopefully yeah. you both know, you know, I have open office hours for students every week yep. when I'm not traveling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate when students come by and, you know, even yeah. if they don't have a problem, just kind of introduce <laughs> themselves yeah. and say hello. You know, that's a good way for me to keep a pulse on the students and what they care about. Yeah. And, you know, and I, one of the things that I really like about Michigan Ross is I do think there's an openness to, you know, if you have some ideas on a new club or a mm-hmm. new thing to do, there's an openness to, to saying like, hey, all right, let's 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 figure out how to make that happen. Yeah. So, you know, I'm excited about working with students on any ideas that they think are especially important in terms of driving things forward. You're almost a year into your role as dean. Um, you've gone through your first MAP experience. This will be your first GBR, and then you got your first graduation coming up as well. And your first podcast episode. Oh, right. yeah. So exciting. Uh, <laughs> So as you continue to acclimate yourself to the culture here and the weather, which can be brutal <laughs> at times, um, are there any changes you plan on making to how you approach your role? Yeah. You know, it kind of gets back to some of the themes that we touched on a little bit earlier. You know, I, I do think that focus on financial accessibility mm-hmm. is something that I care a lot about. So, you know, with all of our fundraising team, you know, that's something that we have made a change to in terms of really doubling down on our efforts to fundraise to help support student scholarships mm-hmm. um, to make sure that, you know, if you're qualified to get into Ross, yeah. you're not choosing something else because of the price tag. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a big change. You know, we have done some changes in terms of our organizational design mm-hmm. to better reflect our strategy. And mm-hmm. part of that is um, pulling together, you know, without getting too in the weeds, um, <laughs> um, all of our graduate programs under one associate dean. So in the past, we had, you know, one associate dean who was over full-time programs, another associate dean who was over one-year master's programs, another one over part-time and online. And, you know, there's pluses and minuses to anything, but Mm -hmm. by having it under one associate dean, what that does give us the ability to do is identify opportunities across programs in a more deliberate way, which I think is going to be really fantastic for our students in terms of giving them that flexibility um, to work across programs and leverage some of those programs. And then, you know, I mentioned some of the task forces, you know, so that's another thing that, you know, as we look towards the future, you know, you put your finger on something that I'm also thinking about is, you know, how do we continue to elevate that student experience through community and well-being? You know, we've got a task force for that. We've got a similar one for faculty and staff to make sure, you know, this is a place where people can do their best work. And then others, you know, making sure that we're best in class on the teaching and the research side. Um, And then I talked about the global visibility. So that's another thing that we're working hard on in Mm -hmm. terms of uh, making sure that we're getting our name out there. So, you know, if you're an executive in Paris or Tokyo or Riyadh, when people say what are the best Mm -hmm. business schools in the world— Michigan Ross comes right out without a hesitation. So I think that's, you know, that's another piece of uh, what we're working on. And I think that's amazing um, because I've had a couple opportunities through whether it's 
student organizations or just some of the class I've had to take. And um, I've chance to talk to some of the BBAs, which is the undergrad business yeah. students, for those who don't know. Um, I've had a chance to talk to the one-year master management students. And it's just amazing to see the wealth of experience and just the different um, approaches to how to solve a problem there are. Um, so being able to have exposure to all those different programs as opposed to just the full-time MBA students is phenomenal. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we're John and I were at the uh, entertainment club um, at Ross, and we have... Um, a colleague who's in the online uh, MBA program yeah. who joined the the board uh, leadership. Yeah. So just great, you know, diversity of experience there. All right. Um, so what is your favorite part about being Ross's dean? And then what is your least favorite part? <laughs> All right. Um, I would say favorite part is the people, right? I mean, the awesome. students here, like, you know, just listening to your backgrounds, like the students here are phenomenal. And even across across all the programs, like our yeah. BBAs walking in the door, you know, the incoming GPA of uh, BBAs last fall was 393. Wow. Like, they're incredible. The MBAs are incredible. The online students are incredible. I was just out in Los Angeles because we have a cohort of our executive MBA that we run out of Los Angeles mm -hmm. and had the opportunity to interact with some of those students who were in their final, it was like their final residential weekend as part of their um, program. They're phenomenal, you know, and mm -hmm. the, the alumni community is just unbelievable. Right. So I would say, you know, far and away, you know, the best is just the quality of people that are attracted to Michigan Ross mm -hmm. that, you know, not only accomplish, but they care about each other. Mm -hmm. They care about using business as a way to, you know, create positive social impact as well as economic impact. So, you know, to me, that's, that's just phenomenal. Um, worst part, I would say, um, some of you know this about me. My youngest daughter is a high school senior. Okay. Uh, so she stayed back in Colorado with my husband because we didn't want to move her senior year. We right. thought that would be very mean. Right. And so I would say the worst part is just that I don't have my family here yet. Okay. I don't have my dogs. I've got two dogs and they're back in Colorado. Uh, it's so unfair. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's unfair that my husband and my daughter get to hang out with the dogs and I don't. <laughs> so so I think that's been the hardest part yeah, is just absolutely. kind of managing that transition and getting to that point where everyone's all out here. Yeah. So. Wow. Well, so just on touching on the family a little bit. So your daughter's probably looking at colleges as well. Yeah. What are her top choices? <laughs> <laughs> so I hope she's not listening. I, well, she, um, she's narrowed it down to two places. Either University of Michigan or Rice. Okay. So I think we've got a good shot. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, as a parent, you can't push too much on these things. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. You, one of the things that she said early on <laughs> in her um, process of looking at schools is that she wanted a school with school spirit. And I said, huh, mm, hey, I, I think, think I know of a place. I can think of a school. I think I know I of a place. I can think of a school as well. I know, yeah. I know. Go so blue? we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. Blue? We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I think we've got a good chance. Well. And then Rice, our, um, as I mentioned earlier, my husband right. and I were both on faculty at Rice early in our career. And then our older daughter is a student at Rice. So we've got a, a big Rice connection as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Well, so. whatever she decides, she can't go wrong. Not a bad, no. No, not a bad choice in the yeah. set, for sure. Exactly. No, not at all. Yeah. All right, so um, like we mentioned before, Thursday kicks off Go Blue Rendezvous, or GBR, um, which is our premier student-admitted event. What advice do you have for our committed students or the admitted students who've yet to make a decision? I do think it gets back to what differentiates us. And, you know, so I think for every student, they should think about where it's going to be a fit, where they can 
be their best selves. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, here, action, impact, and community. You know, like if you Mm -hmm. care about action-based learning and all that brings to the table in terms of preparing you for long-term success, I think you you cannot beat Michigan Mm -hmm. for that. Um, Impact, you know, again, we've got this amazing campus. We care about economic as well as social value creation. Um, You know, I think if you want to make an impact and do big things, Michigan Ross is going to set you up well for that. And if you care about community, you know, like that go blue thing, as we've been talking about, it it really (laughs) is a thing. And it's, um, you know, I think part of it is being in a town the size of Ann Arbor, you know, like, so there's all that's going on here. But I I think a lot about like, why does Michigan have that in spades and not everyone else does? Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is the size of the community, you know, like there's a lot going on here. It's really centered on the university, but it's a little bit different than if you're in like a New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago where there's many things going on that are not really as centrally organized around the university itself. Right. So I would bet, like, you spend a lot of time with your classmates mm-hmm. in a way that maybe you wouldn't if you were in a New York City and people are off doing lots of different things mm-hmm. on their own. So I think that's mm-hmm. part of what drives that. But so, you know, I think if you care about action, impact, and community, I think it's hard to beat Michigan. Right. And to your point, Dean, there's synergies there as well because you'll see – the Ann Arbor at large community that is contributing to Michigan events. And then you will see UMIT students that are contributing to the, well, not just Ann Arbor, but the Detroit Metro community at large as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. There's so, um, one of the things that I I thought was really amazing is how many dual degree students we have. And then how many students are engaged with all sorts of community events, you know, business plus impact studio. I mentioned I do my office hours there. You know, some of the work they're doing is just amazing. You know, not just in terms of the Ann Arbor community, but lifting up Detroit and then some of the social impact map projects that are really around the globe. Mm -hmm. You know, I know one of our teams was supposed to go to Malawi. I don't know if they actually ended up going because they obviously had a... I think think, um, they just had to postpone it a bit. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they did go. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, those are all great illustrations of people who are using what they learn in business here Mm -hmm. at Michigan Ross to do things, you know, far beyond some of the traditional avenues of of business and and making a real social impact through the skills that they've learned. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we're we're about to wrap up here, but um, before we do, I mean, Dean Matusik, is there anything that we didn't touch on? Um, Any, you know, last words, anything else that you'd like to... God, words of wisdom. I don't know. (laughs) It's like a big pressure one. Um, you know, I would just say, you know, I'm thrilled to be here. You know, as I said, I started back in August. And so I've really been uh, so excited about meeting the community writ large. Um, it's, it's, it is truly a remarkable set of people, both here within Ross as well as the alumni. So that's been really great. Um, you know, again, I, I also really appreciate that people here care about, you know, not just the financial and economic impact, but Mm -hmm. also the social impact as well. I Mm -hmm. think that makes for a really rich community that cares a lot about, you know, using what they learn here to be leaders. And I mean that in the broadest possible sense. So it's not just like you're a leader, you're managing a group of X people, right? but it's, you know, using their actions and how they approach the world in a way that sets an Mm -hmm. example for their communities, for their workplaces, um, and Mm -hmm. beyond. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, that is the Michigan Rawls Dean, Sharon Matusik. Dean Matusik, thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. We thank enjoyed you. having thank you. you. Hopefully, this isn't the last one. I, First I hope of many. not. I hope not. Awesome. Well, we look forward to having you back again. Business Beyond Usual is brought to you by the Rawls School of Business at the University of Michigan. Today's episode was produced by David Amarim and myself, John Brown. Executive producers of BBU are Tedra White, Thomas DeClerc, Michaela Terrell, Preston Hill, and Eugenia Collins. Special thanks to Jonah Brockman, who did our editing today. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, go blue, and this is Business Beyond Usual. <laughs>